2: iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Hi, everyone. Quick note. uh, There's some slight static here and there at the beginning of the episode, but it goes away pretty quickly, so you won't hear it for most of the episode. Just wanted to give everyone a heads up. Thanks for understanding and enjoy the episode.
2: On the
5: Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all
2: their
1: discussions just boyfriends and husbands or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast.
5: Hey, Jamie. Hey, Caitlin. Can I keep you? No! (laughs) It's cold. Close the window. I love how she was like... Can you close the window? It's cold. Good night, mm-hmm. God. What a what a creepy little ghost. Welcome oh, to so the Bechtel Cast. Uh, my name is Jamie Loftus.
4: <laughs> my name is Caitlin Durante, and this is our show where we examine movies through an intersectional feminist lens using the Bechtel test simply as a
5: jumping off point. But Jamie, yeah, what is it? Well, the Bechtel test is a uh, well, it's a test in which. Uh, it, well, and also, I should tell you where it came from. It came from... Uh, uh, oh, oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, I just You're watched Casper great. the Friendly Ghost. And so I was like, so this... Okay, this is not going to pass. I'm just so frothingly horny for Bill Pullman, Daddy, that I'm... <laughs> not fully with it at this time (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's a media metric invented by queer cartoonist Alison Bechdel sometimes called the Bechdel-Wallace test Uh, there's many permutations of this test here's the one that we use here at the Bechdel cast we require Mm -hmm. that uh, two characters of a marginalized gender with names speak to each other about something other than a man for more than two lines of dialogue Uh, and you know some movies do it Um, many don't and my new mm-hmm. favorite thing is when a movie, uh, when it's clear that they get uh, like a note that it didn't pass the Bechtel test and then they do a small reshoot and add in a completely nonsensical scene oh. just to say they passed. Sure. Uh, I want to, I've, I've been trying to keep better track of those in movies because I'm trying to think of which, there was a movie I saw recently that was like newer that I'm like, mm, this feels like a weird movie Anyways, it's complicated, <laughs> right? Because
4: I feel like that would be the case for more
5: recent movies. People weren't no people weren't thinking about this back. I, it didn't come into yeah. the popular consciousness until like I feel like late two thousands, early two thousand tens. Even though it was invented right. back in the eighties,
4: and then and then our podcast it's the only thing we people actually can talk about it. because we <laughs> invented it, we popularized it. No, I'm kidding, but um. Yeah, recent movies are,
5: I think, doing a better job at passing generally. Generally, yes. But I, but sometimes you still see some some things. I don't know. I think I just am in a, a crummy mood because you're just like the the state of... The, these days, Caitlin, I'm just not convinced that the world is uh, less misogynist. What? Than it That's ever... Well, or just less prejudiced in general. <laughs> um, uh, well, no, we live in a hellscape. <laughs> on that note, let's talk about... Casper the Friendly Ghost. Uh, I'd love to. Okay, so I'll start by saying this this episode, you might be like, wait a second, it's June? Mm-hmm. Why are you covering Casper the Friendly Ghost? This seems more like a Halloweeny pick. Well, mm-hmm. the reason we're covering Casper the Friendly Ghost is because it's a little bit of synergy. It's a little bit of cross-promotion, if you will, um, because, Ooh. listeners is <laughs> pretty scary. there's nothing scarier than corporate synergy yeah and <laughs> and by corporate i mean just me um so so i have a new investigative series right now coming out called ghost church mm-hmm. uh, it is about the american spiritualist movement uh, which was kind of this uh, movement that existed in the 1800s. It still exists now. It's evolved in all these freaky ways. But it's basically founded on the idea of like spirit communication, that mm-hmm. the dead don't really die. It doesn't really play by Casper rules Um, But yeah, the the overview of the show is it's a history of this bizarre religion and its founders who were um, women religious leaders at a time where there weren't a lot of women religious leaders, but Mm -hmm. they're kind of girl bossing around It's it's a wild story. And then it also is the other half of it is uh, my experience going to a spiritualist camp this year, and talking with uh, spirit mediums who are still working today. Mm -hmm. So if that sounds like a fun thing to you, I would I would love if you listened, it was a really fun, uh, kind of like challenging piece to put together. Mm -hmm. And I hope you like it. So we were looking for, and, and I'll sort of bring up because there are like some spiritualist ideas in Casper, the movie's concept of death, but it's also the movie's so all over the place that uh <laughs> I feel like death is viewed just like however the movie needs you to view it from scene to scene. True. Like sometimes it's the biggest deal in the world and then other times they're like, who gives a shit? And you're like, well, which... What are, what are the, it doesn't matter. It's a great movie. (laughs) But we were looking for movies about spirit communication. Mm -hmm. And it made me think about spiritualism as like I've been studying it and understanding it because most of the stuff, like a lot of spiritualism is built around the idea of the seance. But most seances, as they're presented in movies, are like bad or conjure something evil or you need like, sure. christian to come and resolve what you've unleashed via a seance Mm -hmm. which is the opposite of what spiritualism is about spiritualism is like an attempt to like take a step uh, away from the idea of like good and evil they're very into redemption and like redemptive justice and and Mm. all these like i mean there are plenty of issues with it with the religion but it is Mm -hmm. far more progressive than catholicism for example which is weirdly what you'll mostly get in seance movies is like a catholic priest showing up to reverse what the seance did mm-hmm. it's hard to find a feel-good movie about death and that's where casper the friendly ghost comes in and that's where casper comes in because the only other movie that's like explicitly about spiritualism is nightmare alley that came out last year right which again is pretty unfavorable which is like Fine, but uh, more importantly, no one watched the movie and we didn't like it. So that's why, yeah. we're, with all due respect to King Guillermo del Toro, yeah, it was so boring. There was no Pan's Labyrinth. I, I get really, I'm like, you're just going to not give Rooney Mara anything to do? Mm-hmm. What a waste. Yeah. What a waste of everyone's time. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so that's why we're doing Casper. This is actually one of the more like open-minded views of death that you can find in a movie or spirit communication at least sure yes so yeah listen to ghost church we'll keep talking about spirit communication but caitlin yeah what's your history with casper 1995
4: oh my gosh this movie came out when i was nine years old so i was the exact right age hell yeah see it And love it and be obsessed with it. And I especially loved the production design, although I wasn't like a nine year old being like, wow, look at this set design. Amazing. The house is so cool, though. The house
5: is still so cool.
4: Yeah, the house holds up. The Casper it's, house oh, holds up, so I just like loved the spooky sets and the and the house, and then when they go into like the secret layer mm-hmm. where the Lazarus machine is and like that, it's all that so cool. <laughs> I like loved it, and I did
5: you realize the Backstreet Boys connection? <gasps> no. Oh my gosh. This is the kind of you know, like when you learn a fun fact and you're like, I know I've learned this before, but I just like relearned it today and it's fun. All all, all the time, yeah. Right. In our advanced age, uh (laughs) sometimes things just (laughs) slip. Um the music video for Backstreet's Back All Right, where all the Backstreet boys are dressed up in Halloween costumes and they're dancing in the mansion, that's the Casper mansion. It's the same (gasps) mansion. And every time you see the wide shot, you're like, this looks familiar. And it's the Backstreet's Back Mansion because oh that goodness. song came out in like 1996. So they just like shared a set. Repurposed. Yeah. <laughs> the Casper House. Isn't that the coolest? Yeah. It's a legendary. And it's just beautiful and awesome. And <sighs>
4: yeah. So anyway, I loved it at the time, but I don't think I saw, I watched it past probably like 1997 because again, famously, titanic comes out and i didn't watch any other movies for a solid decade <laughs> yeah huh. totally so i you know there was that couple year chunk in the mid to late 90s when i was obsessed with this movie uh, but i hadn't watched it since so rewatching it oh wow for the podcast was interesting and my thesis statement will be that casper is a
5: creepy little pervert okay now now <laughs> now now um thoughts <laughs> i definitely think that casper's behavior is not great uh, <laughs> but i i don't know there this i i really love this movie still it's like it's gonna be hard to i mean i just like every time i see this movie still you're still oh my gosh yes like i i okay. i don't remember when i first i like this was just like a vhs that was always at our house Mm -hmm. and i loved casper not just casper the casper expanded universe because there were two direct-to-video sequels that came out after this it was called like casper oh my gosh there for some reason like just so many awakenings for me uh (laughs) happened via this casper franchise there was a direct oh my god this this is gonna drive me wild and I do need to know what this direct movie was called but anyways this movie was one of my favorites when I was a kid I still watch it every couple years I think it was like yeah I like to watch it around Halloween time I just Mm -hmm. think it's like there's so much wrong with it uh, but it is a problematic favorite for me that I like that I still think is doing a lot of like funny cool stuff that like I don't know like there's things that have happened in this movie that don't happen in movies anymore because they shouldn't mm-hmm. and then there's things that happen in this movie that don't happen in movies anymore that I'm like where did that go that was fun sure I liked that like it's just really chaotic I feel like they're like especially because it's like an IP a piece of like IP I feel like now people are so like precious with like rebooting IP where it's all very like sterile and Mm -hmm. i don't know like you think about how sexless the marvel movies are and how it's like Mm -hmm. they can be funny but they actually can't be funny and it's just like you just feel so much like caution in some ways that is good and undoes harmful things that were done in movies in the past and then it's just sometimes you're like yeah why so much of this movie is just like there's a ruckus, <laughs> just, yeah. Wild, wild choices. Yeah, I used to be completely in love with every character in this movie. I loved Christina Ricci's character mm. so much; wanted to be her. Was also in love with her father. Thought <laughs> Bill Pullman's dad is was really handsome. Still really feel that way. <laughs> Kathy Moriarty is like. Oh there's just gosh. so much, ca- so much campiness in this movie mm, yeah. too, in a way that just like happens in movies now but I feel like doesn't happen in like big kids movies I don't know maybe I'm totally wrong and I'm just not watching the right movies but but yeah like this movie is just so goofy and campy and like if you showed it to a kid right now it's also so 1995 that they'd be like what is this like who is Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> oh my gosh the cameos are
4: wild Mel Gibson makes it has a cameo <sighs> Clint Eastwood makes it, has a cameo
5: It's <sighs> so and all the cameos are like really condensed too They all happen like five in a row will happen And then one won't happen for 45 minutes Yeah, yeah. I guess all I have to say is I love this movie And I think it is so goofy and chaotic And let's talk about it Let's
4: do But first let's take a quick break And then we will come right back
2: Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Cate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next, an author like Min Jin Lee or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there.
3: So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: And we're back, and here is the recap. So there's a big, scary house. Two boys go inside at nighttime to take a picture I guess to show their friends that they like went inside the spooky haunted house. Mm -hmm. But then someone, maybe it's Casper, the ghost. I don't know. Takes the picture for them. And then they run out screaming.
5: It is Casper, the ghost. It is his voice. (laughs) Oh God. Caitlin, don't you love the part at the end where 500 wild things happen in a row? People are dying, coming back to life, dying, coming back to life. Mm. Surprise, kiss, surprise, angel. (laughs) The, the mother doesn't visit her daughter, but does visit this ghost. Like all this uh-huh. stuff happens, where you're just like, um, "What a wild night!" And then, it, and then the ghosts start playing guitars, <laughs> and then the movie's all over. I, just, uh-huh. it's, uh, it's really funny. Sorry, yeah. anyways. <laughs> okay,
4: we cut to a woman named Kerrigan. That's Kathy Moriarty, Ugh, icon. She inherits a manor from her deceased father presumably mm-hmm. the same old scary house that we just saw which is called
5: what again whipstaff manor whipstaff manor which sounds like a place in the valley where they shoot porn <laughs> yes
4: <laughs> so the property is condemned it seems nearly worthless but then she and her lawyer dibs played by eric idle oh. find something in the paperwork that makes it seem like there might be treasure hidden somewhere in the house so they travel to the house in maine they go inside and meet casper who is the same friendly ghost
5: (laughs) a friendly ghost and then sometimes you're like what do we mean when we say friendly? Because sometimes he's a pretty calculated
4: ghost. Someti- and sometimes he's very creepy and perverted, as I mentioned before. We will be canceling
5: Casper <laughs> on the Bechtelcast cast today. Uh, unfortunately, we will no longer be able to watch Casper because he's going to be canceled. Yeah. And then yeah. he's going to start touring the right wing circuit. It's going to be a disaster. <laughs> um, and then he'll Can't say, wait. we did that. Yeah, we did that. That's our job. Um, I, I kind of... As much as from, again, there's like just so many bad choices in this movie that I'm just like, what a confusing thing to have done. I guess I'm not bothered by it. Um, (laughs) Because this like movie was also written by like two women, but two women who were like voices in the animaniacs. I'm like, what is going on Uh like with this movie? I don't even care. But like, I, I, (laughs) Kerrigan and Dibbs, you get like literally no background other than Mm -mm. her father has just died. We don't know where Dibs came from. Nope. Or like what their relationship is. I feel Mm -hmm. like it's implied that they probably fuck and maybe he wants something more and she doesn't. That was Mm -hmm. always my headcanon. Okay. Was that she was, you know, she's like Dibs is always around if I'm horny, but (laughs) obviously he's, and then he's like in love with her. But then he turns, I just love that you get, usually I'm like, wait, we have this like incredible iconic woman playing this villain like let's find out more about her but the way that Kerrigan Mm -mm. comes off I'm like I don't need it she just wants a treasure (laughs) and she has a mansion and she's like weirdly okay with uh dying at any moment like before she's even sure if the machine works Uh I just i just love just no one makes any sense
4: also the way that she is defeated is hilarious but we will get there
5: <laughs> it's so <laughs> weird it's, um oh god the ghost rules in this movie are what why doesn't eric idol turn into a ghost that was i was like did they run out of cgi budget um well because he doesn't die does he or doesn't he canonically di- i guess he just kind of disappears oh yeah i always thought he died wait
4: what does happen with him Oh, he
5: like falls into a vat.
4: No, right? she it's like toward the end and they're bickering over the treasure chest. And then she's like, you have a flight to catch. And then she uses her ghost magic or something to like fling him out of the window. Mm-hmm. And then we just don't see him after that. So maybe he did die and becomes a ghost. But... I
5: guess I always just assumed that he died. Yeah, because he's flung out. the. <laughs> it reminded me I wrote down for that. Actually, I did know how he I guess didn't die, but I feel like how would he not die? You know, but yeah. um it reminded me. I wrote down reverse i Frankenstein because you know <laughs> that scene in <laughs> i Frankenstein where Aaron Eckhart breaks through a window like that for no reason. I don't remember, but I guess i will just a... have to rewatch it. <laughs> Look, if you have it, listeners, we know that this is a little chaotic for a main feed episode, but we did <laughs> i Frankenstein for my birthday a couple of years ago. And um, yeah, there's like a scene where he's going into like the science lab. I Frankenstein. I mean, oh, Adam, Adam Frankenstein. Yeah. For listeners who haven't seen I Frankenstein, first of all, turn this off. You got to go watch it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Adam Frankenstein played terribly by Aaron Eckhart. <laughs> <laughs> he like burst through a window. Oh, and um, Bill Nye's The lab is open. Lab? Yeah. Oh, I do remember that. But it's open because people are like using their key cards and scanning in but he just like breaks a window oh, for know. drama he was supposed to be sneaking in <laughs> anyways <laughs> Casper. So Casper. So <laughs> so
4: Carrigan and Dibs go to the manor. They meet Casper who is friendly but they still scream and it wakes up some other ghosts mm-hmm. and the place is extra haunted mm-hmm. so then Kerrigan gets a priest to try to exorcise the ghosts out of the house that doesn't work mm-hmm. they get Dan Aykroyd as a ghostbuster to bust the ghosts that doesn't work
5: also you know what's fun hmm? fun ghost church moment listen to ghost church now on iHeartRadio uh-huh Dan Aykroyd I believe his father was into spiritualism Hmm. and Dan Aykroyd said specifically when he was working on Ghostbusters part of his inspiration and motivation for wanting to write and be in Ghostbusters was his dad's interest in spiritualism and the idea of life after death and so he made Uh, you know, uh, you can listen to our episode on it. We had a lot of thoughts on it. But Mm -hmm. that was his uh, interest in the afterlife. Wow. And now he follows like...
4: An alien religion or something
5: yeah he's uh he he likes esoteric religions you know yeah i the more i work on this project the more i'm just like you know what it is like such an amazing thing if you can find a religion that is not perpetual constantly perpetuating harm on other people and mm-hmm. if you do find that then like have a great time enjoy yourself yeah you know golden rule it up that's
4: why i founded the cult, I mean church of Paddington.
5: Scariest. Anywhere. Scariest. <laughs> um I just remembered the the direct to video sequels. Oh yes. Yes. In case there's any other kids that were watching these VHS. It was called Casper a Spirited Beginning and And in the Christina Ricci-ish part, there was a boy named Chris who I was like, wow, I'm gonna marry Chris. Wonder what happened to him, no Mm -hmm. idea. (laughs) And then the third one was, I believe, Hilary Duff's first role. Casper meets Wendy and Hilary Duff plays a young witch who befriends Casper and then they do, you know, supernatural, magical stuff together. Wow! So thank you to the Casper franchise for giving us Hillary Duff, incredible. I think that she got Lizzie McGuire off of that. <gasps> wow. Look, it's called American History, Caitlin, <laughs> <laughs> and
4: a, and a star is born. Um, a st- okay. a Hillary Duff, a star is born, would be so funny. <laughs> Uh
5: <laughs> um, that would be great. I would watch it.
4: Yes. Okay, so Dan Aykroyd being a ghostbuster, that doesn't work. No. Kerrigan hires a crew to bulldoze the house. That doesn't work. And then the, like the ghosts that they're trying to get rid of are these mean ghosts, unlike the friendly ghost that is Casper. We'll find out that these mean ghosts are are they Casper's uncles? They are. They're okay. his
5: they're his abusive uncles. Yeah. So they're mean, but also that like doesn't make I I'm sure that because Casper started as a comic book character, so I'm right. assuming this is addressed somewhere in Casper canon. Mm-hmm. But you're also like it, I maybe they're like his adoptive uncles or something because I don't think that they're like they were his uncles when he was alive. It doesn't sound like there were three weird uncles hanging out at this house, mm,
4: right? Do you like when you become a ghost? Do you like have a ghost chosen family?
5: In which case, why? That that would be true. I don't know because he's just like a kid ghost. So maybe he was looking for. I don't know why I'm overthinking this. He's a kid (laughs) ghost, so he's kind of lost in the world. You know, he doesn't have a lot of people, and he can't remember his life at first. So they would be his adoptive uncles. Yeah, but they they really—they were—they're really Cinderellaing this little perverted young ghosts. Uh, yeah.
4: Yeah, they're they're really mean in general and mean to Casper, but Casper is friendly and all he wants is to make a friend. Yeah. Then Casper sees a news segment on Dr. James Harvey. He is a therapist for ghosts.
5: Okay. <laughs> so this uh, spiritualism-wise, this is made up. Mm-hmm. In spiritualism you have mediums Who connect with spirit and also there's like the whole crossing over concept is interesting as it's presented in this movie because i don't know like it's it's kind of like all over the place where it's like oh you have unfinished business and that if you have unfinished business you go to heaven like christian heaven question mark like where did kathy moriarty go we don't really know Hell, I, you would think, but like I, it's, it's hard to say how this movie feels about uh redemptive justice in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they were thinking about it Probably when they wrote not. it, but I just thought it was because spiritualism is mostly like, they don't believe that like spirits remaining on earth is purgatory. They're like, that's kind of par for the course where you'll like remain. Like when you die, you become a spirit guide to the people in your life. Uh But then you can cross over to this place called the Summerland. It's kind of all over the place. It depends on who you ask. They're really disorganized. (laughs) Like the
4: plot of Casper. Like the plot of Casper. Right. So Dr. James Harvey is a psychiatrist who, after the death of his wife,
5: his wife, his wife, Oh, his gorgeous wife with yes. perfect hair. Mm-hmm. Jeez.
4: He started to treat ghosts and help them resolve their unfinished business. Mm-hmm. And then Kerrigan also sees this broadcast because Casper goes into her hotel room and puts it on her TV because Casper saw Dr. Harvey's daughter Kat mm-hmm. and really takes a liking to her and wants to be her friend.
5: Again, weird as hell. Like the first thing where you're like, "Now, Casper, that's enough." You know, like <laughs> the because I kind of forgot that that was his motivation. Same. I I think more logically assumed that I was like, "Oh, he saw that like her dad could help him cross over." Right. I I just felt like writing wise, that would be a more logical. Thing and then like he meets her and they become friends and so then it just happens anyways. Like why give him a weird pervy motivation when the thing that's on TV also like should be like more motivating for him, right? Because he sees
4: Doctor Harvey being able to like connect with and help ghosts and that piques his interest. But it's not until he sees Cat Christina Ricci and he's like, "Hubba hubba, I need her in my life! Oh my gosh, I'm in love." And then he, like, sets up a weird, like, manipulative scheme to lure Kat and her father into his house so that he can get with Kat. And that's, yeah, it's so creepy.
5: I was kind of curious. I was like, I wonder if that, like, changed at some point. Because it just, like, didn't seem logical. Like, this feels like, I feel like the reverse note would be given now, where it's like, don't force a weird love story on this like 12 or 13 year old girl but i feel like in the 90s it was maybe the opposite where they're like no we gotta get a love story going here because it just like i don't know it just doesn't scan for me that it's like oh the little ghost is horny and he's just gonna ignore this really valuable (laughs) whatever right bill Pullman, (laughs) hot (laughs) That's the takeaway. That's my defense of every bad choice in this movie. I'm just like, but Bill Pullman is the, the way he wears those weird pants.
4: He's really looking like a dad in the nineties. So we cut to him. We cut to Dr. James Harvey played by Bill Pullman and his daughter, Kat played by Christina Ricci. They are driving to this manor in Maine. Now Kat doesn't believe in, ghosts and she thinks her dad is a loser and a joke and she's resentful that
5: he moves her around the country all the time and sometimes you're and you're like uh is she like really wrong i think rewatching it this time i'm like he's really not a very good parent at all so right. at the end when his w- dead wife comes back his wife returns <laughs> and is like you're actually an awesome parent i'm like um, i mean i'm glad he didn't die but i wouldn't say that he's a good parent
4: right where is like he's not even there with his daughter for half of the movie he goes to a a bar and hangs out with mean ghosts for
5: like a long time that was so wild to me i never like because i've never watched this movie with anything but like a nostalgic like lens and this was like embarrassingly one of those things where i'm like i definitely didn't this is the first time I ever heard like jailhouse rock or like an Elvis Mm -hmm. song would have been like in this movie. But yeah, it's the night of his daughter's big party and he's like gone at a bar. Yeah. Like really fucked up. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I get that the ghosts like kidnapped him and brought him to a bar, but they didn't make him get wasted. Blackout drunk and walk (laughs) off a cliff. Also, they were going to shoot him in the head. I was just like, yeah. this movie is so funny. Like, what are you doing? It actually really, like, once I found out the writers write for Animaniacs, I'm like, yeah, this is a fucking, like, weird cartoon. Yeah. Oh, I loved Animaniacs. Oh, the best. Anyway.
4: Okay, so her whole thing is that she doesn't like that they have to move around all the time because she just wants to stay in one place long enough to make a friend. And we're like, oh, my gosh, that's what Casper also wants to make a friend. Wow. So Dr. Harvey and Kat arrive at the manor. Mm -hmm. Kerrigan is there, and she's like, you better figure this out really quickly, Dr. Harvey. And he's like, it's going to take as much time as it takes, honey. So he and Kat move into the house, uh-huh. which is wild that they do that.
5: Oh, yeah. I'm also like, wh- why does she switch school systems if they're only supposed to be there for two weeks? Yeah. We don't know. Look. <laughs> Look away. Look away. Don't ask Doesn't questions. Doesn't matter. Nothing makes sense. They should, have turned, they should have turned the get ready machine into a roller coaster. I will never not be mad that <gasps> someone didn't turn that into a roller coaster. That was clearly made. To be turned into a roller coaster? Are you kidding me? Seriously. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> anyway,
4: so they explore the table. they explore the house. It's big. It's kooky. It's spooky. And Casper is so excited that Cat is there. And then Cat sees Casper. Mm-hmm. She freaks out. She's never seen a ghost before. And then Dr. Harvey sees him, too. He also freaks out. And everyone's like,
5: oh, my God, there are ghosts. His reaction defies logic. Why (laughs) doesn't he He came here to see ghosts? The second his daughter's like, I saw ghosts, you would think he would be thrilled because she doesn't believe in ghosts or her father. And then the second he gets the information, he's like, I don't believe you and I'm scared. I'm like, what's wrong with you? He's such a bad dad. he's, like not, he's a bad I, like not a bad person clearly okay this was my horrible twitter joke oh th- please that i texted it to you <laughs> i don't even want to say it out loud it's such a Do bad it. format Mm-mm. men would rather go to the whipstaff manor and hang out and get and walk off a cliff with three scary ghosts than go to therapy <laughs> It's true, though. It's true. You're not wrong. He like, he's, I, I empathize with him. He's having a hard time with the death of his wife. <laughs> but um, a lot of his parenting decisions are just egregiously bad.
4: Parenting decisions and this just
5: doesn't make sense. This I don't understand why he reacts this way. Well, because he's also bad at his job.
4: <laughs> yeah, he's really bad at his job. He goes and tries to give therapy to the three mean ghosts and, like no breakthroughs happen like the,
5: he, well they have they have breakthroughs via they become friends but like <laughs> which is also become, inappropriate you're not supposed to befriend your psychiatric clients look my therapist gives me a ride home sometimes don't worry it's fine uh uh-huh. it doesn't mean that you can't make some breakthroughs with someone who's willing to give you a ride home but do you go out and get blackout drunk with your therapist no that see that's the thing like he's not good at his job it's <laughs> unclear to me they make it sound in the news report like he has successfully done this before but clearly mm-hmm. that's not true and right. also when he meets the like i do think he successfully becomes friends with the uncles but that doesn't mean that he's a good therapist like that correct is you're right that's unprofessional <laughs> i've just been excusing this man also the first time that he meets them he's like I'm your therapist. And then he immediately sucks them into a vacuum. And I'm like, that's. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, um, that's a little problematic. Uh, I wouldn't let my therapist. <laughs> suck me so what, what are, a are vacuum? we talking about at this point? Also,
4: well, I'll, I'll just wait till we get to this plot point. But then another wild thing happens. Okay, so. Casper's uncles show up after the kind of initial shock wears off of like Dr. Harvey and Kat seeing Casper. Mm -hmm. So the uncles show up who are Stretch, Fatso, and Stinky. Mm -hmm. And then Dr. Harvey tries to make contact with them. But again, they're mean and they play a bunch of pranks on him. He battles them for a while and then he sucks them into a vacuum cleaner. They're big time
5: pranksters. Huge goofs. Who the hell were they when they were alive? The Impractical Jokers. <laughs> I shouldn't know made me laugh that much. They were, that's actually the cast of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, wow. And they didn't realize, and maybe that's, or that's the prequel to Everybody Loves Raymond because Brad Garrett is one of the girls. Okay, true. But also you're like, surely those were not their names in real life they just seem to be that like and maybe i'm sure a lot of this is comic stuff but the three uncles the way they're characterized the way they behave the way they're named the Mm -hmm. way they look it just seems like they there's a separate set of rules for them than for casper Mm -hmm. and for all the other ghosts they're just kind of doing their own thing the world building right i like i like that they're the impractical jokers They joked too hard. They're the cast of Jackass Johnny Knoxville and and (laughs) Steve-O.
4: Oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay. So the next morning, Kat and Casper get to know each other a little better. He makes her breakfast via another breakfast machine. Although this one is weak. There's only like a thing that cracks the egg and puts it in a skillet. But
5: the rest he kind of has to do himself. But it's not awesome it's so we were trying to remember when we first started talking about the breakfast rube goldberg machine the ones that always come to mind Pee Wee, i feel like has the best one Mm. but wallace and gromit also have one and casper has one casper has one Uh, a lot of people pointed out
4: one that we missed which was chitty chitty bang bang i haven't seen that damn oh it was
5: wait was it flubber Flubber had a breakfast machine. It's anytime there's a a kooky inventor, you yes. gotta have a breakfast machine, and I like that rule,
4: right? Because Back to the Future also has a breakfast machine. Yes, and if you count marmalade as breakfast food, which for Paddington he every every is. meal is marmalade, there's a marmalade mm. breakfast machine at the beginning of Paddington One. So lots of breakfast machines in this movie add it to the list
5: yeah I would say it's a low-ranking breakfast machine but it makes sense because Casper's dad was a kooky inventor right yes
4: okay Mm. so Casper's making cat breakfast but then the uncles come back and they again like you mentioned they kind of have Cinderella'd Casper they make him do all of their chores and cooking and cleaning and all that stuff and Dr. Harvey wants to treat the uncles and help them resolve their unfinished business and cross over into whatever plane.
5: He also doesn't have much of a vested interest in helping Casper, which is unclear to me because you (laughs) would think that Casper would maybe be priority one. He's a kid and he's being treated very poorly. I mean, maybe it's the airplane rules. You got to take care of the worst one and then you can take care of the kid after (laughs) take care of yourself right um well okay
4: let's examine this the reason okay that dr harvey is even in the movie is because he needs to get rid of the ghosts so that kerrigan can go into the house and find the treasure but right the ghosts aren't causing that much of a problem that why
5: can't she just no i feel like they would have killed her i i feel like they with the uh, rules of this movie they would have killed her i understand why she is not comfortable going into the house yeah but the, like it seems like at the beginning and i feel like this would have been a strong character choice if she was just extremely afraid of death but that's not oh, true she's huh. like not afraid of death at all she can't wait to die so that she can go
4: through walls and find a treasure chest that has a baseball glove in it.
5: Such weird logic where she's like, wait a second. If I died right now, I could walk through this wall and then I could find the treasure. I'm like, you could also just like, you were happy with bulldozing the house. You could just get an ax right, and hack open the wall, but not my business. Nothing makes sense. Not my clowns, not my circus.
4: <laughs> okay. Meanwhile, Kat goes to her new school where she meets Vic, this boy who she thinks is cute. The most 90s looking boy you've ever seen in your life. Just Truly. a swoop. Just a blonde swoop. And we also meet Vic's girlfriend who I'd never figured out her name.
5: Oh, Mrs. Generic Bully? Miss? Uh, in this world, there can only be one girl in every class. And she's mean, she's a, character.
4: she's a, like a rich, mean girl. Casper follows Kat to school mm-hmm. just in case you weren't sure if he was creepy yet or not. Then there's this announcement about a Halloween dance that they can't have in the school gym because of asbestos removal. So also,
5: what <laughs> I was like, they shouldn't be at the school, right? <laughs> they all like suddenly die like 15 years after this movie comes out the whole everyone who went to that school and then it becomes like a big true crime Mm -hmm. thing oh yeah but they'll just turn into ghosts that's actually that's true around as ghosts why is it and i also in in as far as this movie franchise was willing to go in terms of just like body horror and sad things happening it's not off the table a whole school dying of asbestos poisoning actually Mm -hmm. seems like it would it right in
4: uh casper four anyone Let's start working on it
5: let's start working on it let's get kathy moriarty back hell yeah love her yes let's get christina ricci back she's mm-hmm. the only survivor she comes back it's a haunted school of all of her childhood bullies yeah because well, she was only in the school for two weeks and then she made it out That's alive. the other thing. i'm like are they gonna live there now right do they just because because kerrigan and dibs died that doesn't it, mean that they get the house that just goes to somebody else right. or it gets repossessed. doesn't it entitle the ghost therapist to, to a mansion. <laughs> what you we simply about? don't know. To quote him, possession is nine-tenths of the law, yeah. which means he can't have that house. <laughs> <laughs>
4: he does not possess the house. Um, he doesn't. Okay. The Halloween dance is coming up. And then Cat's classmates find out what house she lives in, this big spooky manor, Mm -hmm. and they're like, let's have the Halloween dance there. And the teacher is like, yeah,
5: sounds good to me. Baffling. (laughs) But (laughs) I'm like, maybe that is how, maybe maybe schools were that lax. In the 90s. 25 years ago where they were like, he was like, yeah, great, cool. Have a great time. I was like, is he... Is he there? I forget. He does. He does
4: come to chaperone. Yeah. He goes. Mm -hmm. Well,
5: that's good. But it's also like, but I also love how they like don't ask anyone's permission because it's not her house. Right. She shouldn't be throwing a party at Kerrigan's house.
4: Yeah. They're squatting in the house and then they're like, but also let's
5: have a party. And he's fine with it. And then they have one of the more bizarre father daughter conversations ever committed to film. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just, this movie is just yes. so
4: weird it is okay so back at the house the uncles mention that they've seen dr
5: harvey's what his wife
4: which again amelia baffling she's an right. angel she's why an is she visiting their ghosts
5: the impractical jokers
4: <laughs> <laughs> she loved the show um and dr harvey's whole thing is that he desperately wants to see his wife because right. uh, he's got unfinished business, even though he's alive. So they strike up. Oh, so this is the wild thing that the other extremely unprofessional thing that he does as a psychiatrist, <laughs> where even though he's supposed to be giving psych, like, you know, whatever, like psychiatric evaluations, giving therapy to these ghosts, trying to, mm-hmm. you know, help them heal. He's like, well, you know what let's make this about me during our first session and can you go find my wife for me wild to be Not fair how... he says
5: i shouldn't be doing this <laughs> and yeah. then he's like but let me just like immediately like he's already doing so he's already sucked his clients into a vacuum and so it, he's like at this point <laughs> i might as well just do a bad job yeah yeah uh, true. i've already been nothing but unprofessional
4: <laughs> <laughs> yep so they strike up a deal. If Dr. Harvey can keep Kerrigan off of the ghost uncle's backs, mm-hmm. they will help bring Amelia's ghost or you know spiritual presence to see Dr. Harvey. Right. And so he's like, okay, great. But then they just end up playing another prank on him. So, Which,
5: again, I'm just like, wow, they're so mean. So mean. Why would they do that?
4: Speaking of mean people... The mean girlfriend uh, of that kid Vic, yeah, she has Vic pretend to ask Cat to like hang out at the dance. Like he, he would be Kat's date at the dance. And Kat is super excited and she says, yes. But Casper wants to go to the dance with Cat, but she's like, no, I already have a date, and also you're a ghost. And then there's a handful of scenes where we will just have to like unpack those later because Casper is being really creepy and pushy, but it's played off as being cute. But they're like,
5: we love this. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that is uh, just, I mean, that whole, like this whole kind of sequence where like the way Casper treats Kat and then how like weirdly negligent her dad is you're just Mm -hmm. like we gotta get this kid out of here we gotta get her out of maine yeah you know she i hope that you know she's got like an you know some aunts or uncles that she could talk to because her dad is just a mess
4: oh yeah her her uncle's uh fat so stinky and stretch
5: oh god they're it's just not oh (laughs) it it made me it bummed me out so much the scene where it's like I knew what they were going for but it just like felt so bizarre where Kat like asks her dad she's like hey could I have like or maybe she doesn't she's like we're going to have a party here at this place we don't live. We never see the scene where
4: she asks if that dance can happen at the house. Right
5: (laughs) and which you would think wouldn't be allowed but anyways she the scene starts as if they've already agreed on it and she's Mm -hmm. like I want to wear something nice like date nice and right which is like she's like 12 or 13 that's like not unreasonable sure coming right. of age i get it but the way he reacts is so bizarre where he like immediately was like oh i should give you the sex talk and she's like no that's okay and he's like why are like he basically implies like why are you having sex i'm like yeah dude she's 12, 12. why are you acting like this yeah and then it she's is- like <laughs> but then she's sort of like haha no no like, what i is going on <laughs> Why is she not like, ew, what?
4: Yeah, it is his inability to connect with his daughter is staggering, especially because he's a mental health professional.
5: There are, okay, now this, every performance in this movie is camp. And I would say (laughs) the two... Bill Pullman and Kathy Moriarty are tied for me for campiest performances of the movie. I think Christina mm. Ricci actually kind of keeps it pretty grounded. Yeah, but sometimes like Bill Pullman is acting so cartoonishly weird in a way that like it's kind of confusing given what his part is. Where sometimes he's like, "Yeah, whatever," and you're like, "I don't." He you're yeah. supposed to be a grieving single father.
4: Like his performance makes no sense. I get why. Weird kathy moriarty and eric idols that makes sense performances that makes total sense
5: they're basically home alone villains like right yeah
4: that works but yeah bill pullman being like especially when he like
5: why he's acting weird he
4: gets drunk and then makes out with all three of
5: the ghost uncles and then falls off of a cliff and stinky says no homo but the other two are kind of loving it (laughs) <laughs> this movie is so weird. They're <laughs> it's wild. Okay, <laughs> so that was the creepiest scene to me. Was him asking his twelve year old if she's had sex before. You're just like,
4: yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Don't know why that was. Get this kid a to a thing. guidance counselor. <laughs> Truly. Um. Okay. So we just saw the scene where Casper was being extra creepy to Cat then cat finds a bunch of casper's old like toys and things she sets them up to help him remember stuff about his past which he was having trouble remembering and then i was like wow spirited away parallels much because it's it's a young girl and a spirit boy and she helps him remember
5: his past i really love that scene where casper is like my train (laughs) i don't know it's cute she does like that's I wish that this movie would have just been like or I guess the year 1995 in general would have like just been okay with this being a friendship because that angle is really cute. And like she does this very sweet Mm -hmm. friendship gesture and then it like moves the plot forward in a very logical way. And it's like, yeah, they don't need to kiss. He's a fucking computer ghost. Ghost. Anyways, until he's Devon Sawa. We'll get there. Oh, my
4: God. Confusing. I don't get the Devon Sawa. Appeal,
5: and I never have, and I, I never th- will. I am just so youthful that I don't really know <laughs> who that why is. I'm supposed to care about Devin Sawa. Yeah, because I'm um, seventeen.
4: Jamie, yeah, happy birthday! <laughs> Thank you.
5: I can't wait to uh, buy cigarettes with you.
4: Mm-hmm. Oh, cool, cool. Mm. Okay, so she's so. Cat is helping Casper remember who he used to be. Then it's the night of the party casper finds a dress for cat to wear and then casper's like by the way i remember how i died and here's
5: what it was i couldn't tell was that his mother's wedding dress or was that just like an old dress Uh, i really i'm not sure they don't explicitly say it's her wedding dress i don't think so but it it, looks like a wedding dress yeah
4: i don't know um (laughs) so (laughs) then cat finds a newspaper clipping about casper's dad who claimed to be haunted by the ghost of his dead son then he invented a machine to bring his son back to life and casper's like oh yeah the lazarus this is cool so he remembers where it is it's in the house like in the basement or something so he leads cat to this machine there's a whole like literal roller coaster conveyor belt thing that it takes you into this like phantom of the opera style basement laboratory
5: it is awesome this
4: whole like (laughs) sequence really just uh makes me so happy i love it yeah it's very cool meanwhile kerrigan and dibs are snooping around the house and they follow kat and casper to the lab and then casper goes into the lazarus machine to be brought back to life Cat fires up the machine, but then Kerrigan sneaks in and steals the red plot liquid that powers the
5: machine before <laughs> Casper can be brought back to They basically say life. it's plot liquid, too. Like yeah. She's like, what's this? He's like, it's kind of this juice that brings you back to life. There's only one. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> and, like,
4: right. and we're like, okay, I guess this is the world building. Good job, everybody. I love it. So then... Kerrigan's logic is she will kill Dibs, he will turn into a ghost and be able to float through the walls to find the treasure they're looking for, and then she can use this red ghost liquid to bring him back to life. Mm -hmm. But as she's trying to kill him, she accidentally kills herself by falling off of a cliff and then she comes back as a ghost. You
5: see her fall off the cliff too. It's yes. exactly what I did. I did think it was funny that they're like, okay, we can watch Kathy Moriarty fall off a cliff because she's the bad guy. But mm-hmm. Bill Pullman's a good guy who also ostensibly falls off a cliff or like He falls into, off like a balcony. <laughs> he, yeah, he, he dies from a fall, but you can't, we can't see Bill Pullman fall. Right. Even though I think, you know, sometimes I'm like, I, I like Kathy Moriarty much more than bill pullman bill pullman's walking around thinking he's a good person well he's not a very good dad true but he's so hot
4: (laughs) (laughs) okay so she comes back as a ghost meanwhile the ghost uncles are trying to kill dr harvey at a karaoke night at a bar while they're all blackout drunk. Mm -hmm. But Dr. Harvey, again, is too drunk to notice that they're trying to like murder him with guns and crowbars and stuff. And he's like, I love you guys. You're my best friends. And then he falls off a balcony and dies. (laughs) Then back at the manor, Kerrigan, as a ghost, has found the treasure. We don't see the scene where she figures out where it was or anything like that but she comes back with a treasure chest and (sighs) casper and cat steal the red liquid back from her and then trick her into admitting that she doesn't have any unfinished business so she crosses over and like ceases to be a ghost right and disappears and leaves the red plot liquid and the treasure behind also, I
5: skipped the part where she kills Eric Idol, but... She just sends him through a window. I thought <laughs> yeah. we were going to get an Eric Idol ghost. I always am waiting for it to show up. It never does. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, because I was thinking of Ghostbusters with this due to CGI ghosts, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things we talked about about the first Ghostbusters movie is that male-coded ghosts can look like anything. like And this right. is just a general animation problem. But women <laughs> ghosts can only look like conventionally hot women that you can see through right I don't know that this it's hard to say again like this movie is kind of lawless in that regard because it just seems like Casper and the uncles are all obviously like male coded ghosts yeah and they look weird Mm -hmm. but then it's like if you were already a famous actor you'll just look like that famous actor as a ghost (laughs) in a way that felt because originally when kerrigan came back i'm like oh this is ghostbusters rules but then you're like no bill pullman's ghost looks exactly like bill pullman i wonder if when you become
4: a ghost right at first like right after you die you more closely resemble what you looked like in life but then the longer you're a ghost the more cartoonish you you start to look.
5: Ooh, I kind of like that. As you like lose touch with your past and yourself, you kind of just turn into this like- A blob. blob Blobby cartoon character. (laughs) Yeah. Canon, I like it. Thank you. Okay,
4: they kill Kerrigan, they make her like cross back over and the treasure chest opens and it turns out to be a baseball and glove Mm-hmm. because those were casper's treasures when he was alive and that was the MacGuffin. basically
5: just his there's like 12 MacGuffin. you're just like sure okay <laughs> which is like that's whatever cute fine yeah this at this point so many things you just are like cat is never going to recover from this night this night is so traumatic for her and when she finds yeah. out that her mom returned as an angel and didn't even say hi i don't know what she's gonna do I can never... That's a problem I've had since I was a kid. I was like, if my mom (laughs) passed away, came back as an angel, and only talked to my dad and Casper the Friendly Ghost, when I was right there, I would be so pissed. That did not even occur to me until you said that, but that... It's fucked up. (laughs) not very angelic behavior, if you ask me. No.
4: Okay, so... Meanwhile, while all this is happening, Kat's class has shown up for the Halloween party, and that's happening upstairs. Uh, And then Dr. Harvey's ghost, because Kat's dad, has Bill Pullman, has become a ghost after falling off of the balcony when he was blackout drunk. Mm -hmm. He shows up doesn't remember who cat is at first but then
5: he's like oh yeah i forgot again you're just like oh there's (laughs) just tonal another moment of tonal dissonance (laughs) with the bill pullman performance where she's so sad like obviously she just found out her father died she's an orphan and he's like man like (laughs) yeah pull my
4: finger (laughs) like he doesn't remember her which also doesn't track with like the ghost rules because Kathy Moriarty ghost remembers everything about what's been going on when she was still alive she hasn't like suddenly forgotten there's no rules anything about who she is or what she's trying to do but Bill Pullman
5: there are no rules (laughs) Eric Idle doesn't even get to be a ghost I don't know why they ran out I truly am like they ran out of ghost budget maybe they're like we can only make six we're budgeted for six ghosts and we can't make a single ghost more. This
4: did have a budget of $55 million. That's a lot of dollars. In 1995,
5: especially. A hell of a lot. But this movie made so much money. I mean, every yeah. kid on the planet saw this damn movie. It's true. And it's and it's a good thing they did, because <laughs> cause it teaches you good lessons. Mm,
4: yeah, like that you should stock your romantic interest from a young age. Stock Christina Ricci. Start, start young
5: i meant more to get drunk with ghosts and okay yeah be negligent (laughs) that was (laughs) there's so many bad things you could take away from this movie but i just feel like it moves so fast and it's so confusing it's uh i wonder if anyone was able to take anything away from this movie other than what the what what (laughs) what am i looking at (laughs) yeah good good point um thank you
4: okay so, Dr. Harvey's ghost is back, and then Casper sacrifices his chance of being brought back to life so that they can use the Lazarus machine and the red plot liquid to bring Dr. Harvey back to life,
5: which they do. Kind of beautiful. Such a beautiful sacrifice. <laughs> to, if, <laughs> if only the stakes hadn't been established one minute previous to this <laughs> happening. Exactly. <laughs> it happens so, like, it is a very noble sacrifice, but it is like everything happens inside like that whole loop is closed inside five minutes yeah
4: it's so bizarre so then cat goes back upstairs to the halloween party meanwhile casper is in his room he's all sad that he can't go to the party but then cat's mom slash dr harvey's his wife amelia mm-hmm. shows up as an angel and turns casper into a human boy which will last until ten PM. Yeah. So he goes to the dance and he's Devon Sawa <laughs> and he dances with Kat and then they float. And then he
5: says, Can I keep you? for the second time in your like, film. And you're like, Nope, it's not better in person. It's it's, it's, even it's weird worse. whether it's a cartoon or a or a or a, a f- a fleshy, as they put it. <laughs> right. And so they're
4: dancing and and then we're like, I guess. And then Amelia visits Dr. Harvey and she's like, she basically says, I'm dead.
5: You have to stop looking for me. Get over it. See you when and- I see you. The, um, my mom would always cry when she would give the advice because mm. it is cute. It's a little cute specifics. Oh, but, yeah. but when you think about how many things he's doing wrong as a parent, definitely not the top three recommendations I would have made. I would have been like, try not to get blackout drunk the night you're supposed to be chaperoning your daughter's party. Mm-hmm. Try not to squat in houses you don't own, <laughs> which unless it's absolutely necessary, which it doesn't seem like it is in this case. Mm-mm. Don't make your daughter switch school systems once every for two month. weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Cause
4: Anyways. what she actually says is don't feed cat french fries for breakfast and it's like yeah he's doing way worse stuff than that yeah
5: i was like he's doing that too oh my god you don't even see that i i take it back you you should squat in places you don't own because property ownership is is one of the greatest scams perpetuated (sighs) of of all time but he's just doing so much wrong yeah he's doing so much wrong yeah exactly So Amelia, I
4: mean, she says it nicer than that, but she's just like, you loved me so much that I don't have any unfinished business, so you can stop looking for me. You did a great job. She's dating Stinky. She's
5: like, it's not time.
4: (laughs) She's like, just keep doing a great job parenting. And we're like, he's not, though. And then we cut back to Kat and Devin Sawa on the dance floor. They kiss, and then the clock strikes 10, so he turns back into Casper, and all the kids are like, Oh, my God, there's a ghost. And they run away. And then the uncles, who I guess are nice now, strike up their
5: rock band. Because if they literally, the the plot indicates mm-hmm. that when Bill Pullman kisses them, they become nice. That is the turning point. Yeah. They are bad. They're pointing a gun at his head 10 <laughs> seconds before. Uh-huh. And then he kisses them and they become nice. Mm-hmm. Fine by wow. me. Kiss your friends that's the take Kiss, exactly yeah. to quote one of the greats
4: assuming they consent to it
5: yeah
4: all right so that's the movie let's take a break and we'll, <laughs> we'll come back
2: every week on talk easy with sam fragoso i invite an artist writer or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways i imagine you haven't heard from them before
3: So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: And we're back. Uh, I think we, we covered a lot of this in text. Yes. But, I mean, one of the first big, I mean, there's a lot of broad 90s tropes, and it just, like, late 20th century movie tropes that are present in this movie that, Mm -hmm. I mean, one that stood out that we haven't touched on yet is the character of Fatso, who is, um, I mean, that's just used clearly as a punching down joke in a movie with no body diversity otherwise. Right. There's a ton of like references made in this movie, one of which is like making fun of Oprah's weight, which is, I can't think of a more... 1995 problematic thing to do get a life um yeah that so i mean that character in general was just like a joke bucket for offensive jokes all of which have aged poorly Mm -hmm. especially when yeah there's no body diversity or really uh diversity at all in this movie i think that there's like truly not two black actors with speaking roles There's, like, a teacher and a student, but other than that, it's, like... They're on screen for, like, hardly any time at all. Yeah. It's, like, I know this movie canonically happens in Maine, but it's a fucking movie, and there's non-white people who live in Maine and Mm -hmm. very 90s. And then there's what we've been talking about this whole time, which is the creepy stalker relationship that is like not necessary and if you get it out of the way it could have been a really nice friendship story could have just been a friendship again and and one like you pointed out
4: casper doesn't need to lure them in like that could have happened more organically where like kerrigan just finds out about dr harvey on her own she hires them they come to the house and then casper and cat meet from that and then they just become friends but instead it's like this weird and we talk about all the time on the show these like coercive stalkery romances that start by usually a man just being really creepy at a woman and maybe she pushes back at first but eventually it ends up working and she'll kiss him by the end of the movie and for that to be in a kids movie where the characters are 12 is just like feels
5: especially sinister it's such a bummer and it's like I I again the only thing I can say is there's so much chaos in this movie that it's not something that I don't think I Internalized it in this movie specifically as a kid, but I also do remember that like "Can I keep you?" line was supposed to be like very romantic, and you're like, (laughs) (laughs) pretty pretty scary. Delivered in uh, any in any form of Casper, it uh, doesn't age great. And yeah, just Mm -hmm. like I mean, any like I feel like any movie or most movies of this era will shoehorn in a love story for kids in a way that yeah like if you're that age watching the movie like it's just weird it's not necessary and even story-wise it like actively detracts from what you would want like casper's whole motivation as a character is he wants a friend like not right a girlfriend not- like like a human girl to kiss. It's very bizarre. Like, and it's, and it feels like, yeah, that's why I'm sort of like, I wonder if that was like a, a weird studio notes thing, because it feels like every character in this movie needs a friend to some extent. Cause you see that in the, in the dad character, he befriends the uncles, the uncles befriend him. And mm-hmm. then they both theoretically become better for having friends. Yeah. They're also making out with each other, you know, <laughs> i don't know i don't know what's going on there i guess we know no judgment they don't address here. it in the sequels <laughs> bill pullman was not available to make out with ghosts mo- anymore um but it was like oh you, you know through making friends you're able to like move forward through life and like move past your own grief is like as close to like a moral as i could sort of get from right. this story so you would think that like yeah, like, Bill Pullman doesn't fall in love with anybody. Yeah, it, just it just feels very forced and ages poorly and also, like, didn't really work at the time either. Don't like it.
4: Right, but I think that no one, this concept of just, like, a boy or man being creepy and coercive and getting a girl that way had already been so normalized. And then like, right. So like, if I'm watching this as a kid and I'm like, Oh wow, I guess that's what romance looks like. And then you're just like indoctrinated into this mindset at an early age. And then you watch a movie like the notebook 10 years later or whatever. And you're like, well, yeah, movies like Casper taught me that (laughs) this is how it is. This is how romance goes. So I just like, I think it's so sinister that I would just kind of like want to briefly go through the beats of this because we touched on some of them already. But then there's that scene that we I skipped over in the recap that mm-hmm. is like especially gross. Please. yeah. So Casper sees Kat on that like new segment. He instantly falls in love with her. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really make sense. Again, you would think he would be intrigued by the idea that there's this ghost therapist who can like help him crossover and deal with his unfinished business and like that would make more sense in the narrative of like what's motivating him but instead he's like oh christina ricci is a person i've never met but i love her because i saw her on tv so he then manipulates kerrigan into hiring dr harvey so that cat will come so again he just like lures cat there for his own selfish reasons then there's that scene where he keeps telling her that he wants to go to the dance with her she says Mm -hmm. no i already have a date he keeps being very pushy he's like well what does he have that i don't have yeah he's like if i was alive would you if i was this if i was that yeah she keeps saying like no 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 i already told you i have a date then he turns into like
5: Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator. This reminded me of Twilight a lot, weirdly, because it's mm. like a guy who's been dead for a long time. And so like, <laughs> they, like, because you know how like Edward Cullen's like, I'm a million years old. I'm, I'm you know,
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm an old
5: man and you're a teenager and you're my girlfriend. Casper's been dead for a long time. They both... Suddenly sees the uh, object of their obsession and yeah. uh, whisk them out a window, yes. and then that is what motivates the female character to fall in love with them, right? Yeah, there's a lot so of so Casper, uh- <laughs> yeah, a
4: lot of parallels in Twilight. He's like, "Okay, Spider Monkey, let's run around," and she's like, Teehee, okay." In Casper, mm-hmm. he pulls her out the window drops her
5: then well, saves so many her. balcony falls in this
2: movie it's right oh my god
4: he saves her she's still screaming and then we immediately cut to a scene where they're sitting on a lighthouse and she's swooning she's saying oh my god this view is beautiful and then he goes on to like tell her about oh i can't remember my past and i don't know who i was so like I feel like he's just like using all this emotional manipulation, and then also just like straight up creepy, coercive stuff I, to. I agree get her that to... he's
5: using creepy coercive stalker behavior. When it gets to like the stuff of he doesn't remember his past, I didn't even I didn't clock that as emotional manipulation. I just kind of clocked that as like not very good writing. I, I wouldn't uh, if he hadn't already
4: done all that other stuff. But yeah. then I feel like that could be you could interpret that as like well now it definitely could be interpreted that way like you know i i have her in my clutches and this kind of seals the deal to get her to like me and to like care about me
5: which is a bummer because again it's like if it had just been presented as a friendship and they meet more by chance you could have that exact same scene and it could play very very differently
4: it could work just fine exactly yeah Yeah.
5: because it's like she's what she's like saying actually like is is you know thoughtful and empathetic and they're like sharing experiences about like she has lost a parent and like she's talking Mm -hmm. a little bit about that and you know that's a big part of her character and it's like just let them connect on that level because yeah like you're talking about because all that stuff happens before it adds this like layer of baggage and like weird coercive stuff that doesn't need to be there and you yeah I feel Mm -hmm. like that scene could play out you know they could just be up on the lighthouse together without you know I don't know like right
4: because he's already manipulated several people and been super creepy yeah i just i was like i feel like he's just i don't know like he i see what you're saying yeah yeah um so they have that conversation and then they go back to the house he's like i don't know tucking her into bed or something but she's like kind of drifting off to sleep and he whispers in her ear can i keep you she is like is pretty asleep by this point and then he kisses her on the cheek mm-hmm. when she is not conscious she thinks it's like a draft coming in she's like close the window but he's like kissing her and being like can i keep you yeah that stuff is yucky gross and then at the end when he's a human devon sawa and they're dancing. It also and kissing. doesn't work. And you're like, oh, why are we doing this? And he says, can I keep you again? And, and then she's like, wait, who, huh? who is this? <laughs> right. Because she also doesn't even know that's Casper at first. Devin Sawa just comes up to her and takes her hand and like leads her onto the dance floor. And she's like, huh? And then when he says, like, can I keep you is that the moment when she's like, wait, are you Casper? There's something that, like... Yeah,
5: she doesn't know. I mean, that I didn't view as, like, coercive. I just thought that was weird. Because it's like she doesn't know anyone in at this school, really. So it's like if she saw a boy she wanted to dance with, like, probably she wouldn't have known him anyways. And it's, like, not like yeah. she's being, like, dragged on. Like, she's going. Like, she's
4: going. If,
5: <laughs> but it's just, like, another weird writing moment where you're like, oh, yeah, she has no idea who this is. This is... she it, As far as... She knows this is just like a boy from her school. I feel like you needed coming to this party at her house. That is not her house. I feel like someone else's house. Right.
4: I feel like you needed something similar to that moment in Beauty and the Beast where Beast turns into a human mm-hmm. and Belle is looking at him skeptically. And then she like looks deep into his eyes. She's like, you have the same eyes as Beast. And then she's like, it is you. And he's like, tee I feel like we needed a moment like that
5: right away. Right. Because otherwise you're like, what is, what is, it's hard to put yourself in cat's head for this scene. Cause it's like, why is she looking all googly eyed? If she like, if she doesn't, doesn't recognize even know him or Casper? know him. Right. Right. <laughs> I like, look, it's not, I love that this movie was written by women, two credited writers, Sherry Stoner and Deanna Oliver, both of whom are also actors and have been in, really famous cartoons Mm -hmm. Deanna Oliver is in the brave little toaster and wrote on Animaniacs and Tiny Toon Adventures Mm uh Sherry Stoner was the voice of Slappy on Animaniacs Mm -hmm. and they also wrote a movie that I definitely saw in theaters and couldn't tell you a single thing that happens in it my favorite Martian remember that I know of it they also wrote that Sherry Stoner this is bizarre speaking of beauty and the beast um she was an animation reference model for ariel and bell oh my they're just kind of iconic figures mm-hmm. and they wrote casper like <laughs> i love it but there's just a lot of things that happen in this movie that make no sense <sighs> truly yeah i mean yes. it is unusual for women
4: to write like major motion pictures in the 90s. Right.
5: No, I mean, I think it's a really good thing. And I fully, I want to believe that a lot of the weird romantic stuff is being pushed from a studio standpoint.
4: studio. Also, I read that J.J. J. Abrams did an uncredited rewrite of the script. So maybe some of the weirdness came from his rewrite we don't know hard to track let's blame him why
5: not let's blame jj abrams we could blame him for a lot of things true we yeah so i mean the thing that that sucks about that is i really like cat as a character like i think that if Mm. that relationship with her and casper had been stripped down to a friendship it would have done justice to her character so much better because it's like she's she's a Christina Ricci character. And at this point, Christina Ricci has already been Wednesday Adams. Mm -hmm. She's sort of like, she's going to be in the ghost movies for a while.
4: Spooky, big hell, you know, haunted mansion movies. Yeah.
5: Yeah. And it's like, she, she's, I don't know, like she, maybe I just like have such nostalgia for this character, but like, she is like grieving her mother. She's struggling to fit in at school. She, like, has a tough relationship with her father because she, like, understandably resents him for, like, dragging her around the country because he won't go to therapy. Like, (laughs) all of this, like, there's a lot going on and, like, she still manages to be, like, very motivated. Uh, She's empathetic to the people around her, but, like, not at the sacrifice of her own story. Like, Mm -hmm. I I do think that there's a lot of cool things about that character that like if you had taken out the weird predatory relationship stuff that's being pushed on a 12 year old you could have made some space for like even more coming of age stuff um, that would totally. have been cool because I, I like i like the coming of age stuff that's there but it's kind of stripped down to like she makes a friend but also he's kind of her boyfriend and like it's yeah. like though she should make a friend i would have loved to see her make a friend at school mm-hmm. i would have loved to see her have a conversation with her angel mom like <laughs> it just felt like there are a lot of missed opportunities yeah um she's pretty active in the like i mean the the whole climax of the movie, again, I'm just like, I don't even know if I can get to gender on it because it's just such a weird mess. Yeah, um, but like she's pretty active in that climactic scene. Mm-hmm. But, like, also, everyone's kind of doing their own thing in that scene. Like I, I just I think Kat is an awesome character. yeah, and I wish that the main thrust of the story wasn't her ending up with sort of a ghost boyfriend although it seems like the second he turns back into a ghost that is off the table so you're just like why did we even do it then right like she only wants to kiss him when he's Devin sawa and also that was you know a surprise kiss and mm-hmm. blah 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 like all this shit that we've been talking about for years but it's just it it sucks that the takeaways from her character is she forgives her father's bad parenting and she has like a ghost boyfriend when the basis of the character there's like potential for so much more i like cat right. i wish that she had had she'd been given more cool stuff to do
4: yes i think there could have been a more meaningful subplot and resolution between her and her father i think there could have been mm-hmm. a more meaningful subplot about how she's experiencing the loss of her mother and you know like how she's dealing with that grief and again if she had some closure there like if her mom angel came and talked to her then it could have also passed the back test she got snubbed by her mom so weird but so much real estate in the movie is taken up by this creepy predatory romance between 12 year olds it's so bizarre i did find there to be traces of the precocious 12 year old girl trope with cat it's not the worst example i've ever seen but i felt like you could make the argument that there
5: are traces of it it's a trap but in a way that would you argue in a way that's like harmful because it's no. not even like she's a bookish kid like i think she's just like Lonely and, and right, and I think has some good lines.
4: I, I think she is well-rounded enough and just like a multi-dimensional enough character that yeah. other aspects of her character mm-hmm. that she doesn't necessarily fall into that trope super squarely. But th- I don't. know Maybe it was just leave cat alone. <laughs> maybe it was just the scene where they're like turning on the power in the house when they first get there. And she's like, yeah, we need all these 20 volt bulbs or like, I don't know. She says something, she like knows all about electricity. And I'm like, why do you
5: hate Casper <laughs> there? There it's like, definitely no, it's definitely like a quippy script. Like, yeah, sorry, I just threw something. <laughs> uh, it's definitely like a quick, a quippy script, but it's, I think it's like, I think that's more just like, that's how everyone sounds in this movie. And she and Casper are the only kids that you really get yeah. to hear because it's like the bullies are like have these weird quippy lines too and they're like making references that are kind of out of pocket given mm. their like you know she's like she you know she knows who Stephen King is but that's just right. because the script wants to reference the fact that they're in Maine like <laughs> i don't know right. i she definitely is like precocious but i don't i mean it's i did not didn't it's think in a way that was like bad yeah, yeah i would agree that's with that that's not even that's not even always a universally bad trope I think it's just like a trope that exists. Sometimes it sucks and is like problematic, but I feel like it only for me, it's mainly an issue if it implies that a kid is like worldly in a way that is permissive for adults to treat them not like a kid. Right. But I don't think that that's really what's happening here. I think she just is yeah, like, I agree with um,
4: I didn't have much else except for, it also feels a bit tropey to me that like a dad or man's motivation is his dead wife. I'm like,
5: for sure. Well, yeah, I had a little bit about the mom too. I think that like that whole thing is like a little like, do we know what the mom did? Mm -mm. No, we don't know if she had a job. Her daughter's memories are of her cooking breakfast and smelling good and being, and it's not to say like they're like, if she didn't have a job or like any of that that would make her less of a mother it just is like right in terms of trope like she remembers her mom doing only very like feminine domestic things mm-hmm. um, we don't really get any background on the mom in a way that actually kind of does feel egregious like it doesn't with kerrigan because kerrigan is like straight up a cartoon character as is dibs but like the mom we're supposed to really be feeling this loss and the things that you know about her are very vague and i feel like the the whole concept of like the angelic mother character you're like all right i get like it just kind of in a way that a lot of stuff in this movie is kind of like stocky and lazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Like movies and uh, culture in general. Like I do think that there is like this, obviously like nothing but respect for mothers braver than the troops. It's, it's hard to be like, Oh, but I just feel like there's a, there's this creepy halo given to the concept of motherhood in movies that I feel like is also like Mm -hmm. on the back end of that used to demonize childless women or like Mm -hmm. the best a woman can be is if she is a mother. Um, And you can kind of see that in, and I don't know how intentional this was if at all but like you know like the dead mom is an angel and kerrigan is like a childless woman in her 30s and she's hell and she's evil and she's a (laughs) horny murderer and blah 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 Mm -hmm. when you know so the the mom stuff i just thought was it's again it sucks because i i I like the actor who plays the mom i think she's like great Mm. but yeah if you're gonna do all that at least have the mom talk to her daughter like right? what are you doing <laughs> um yeah so the, the the mom stuff kind of pinged a little weird for me because she just becomes yeah she's like a fairy godmother to casper which is like okay but it just it's just bizarre um yeah it felt like there was some mm-hmm. gendered stereotypes going on with the mom
4: i feel like if we had maybe gotten some flashbacks and maybe this would have been corny but also this is a very corny campy movie but like some flashbacks between Kat and her mom you know Bill Pullman can be there too but if it's like Kat reflecting on memories of her mother and then that way we would get to learn about the mom a bit more and we could see two female characters interacting more in a way that we barely yeah get all you it.
5: really get is kathy moriarty grabbing christina Ricci's <laughs> face <laughs> right which did pass the Bechtel test unfortunately <laughs> um if you're kathy moriarty grabbing a teenager's face it, it, it passes pass. yeah and it does pass what was that line that eric Idle says that you that passes
4: oh what, he says something like i'm gonna live in a house with purple curtains and green carpets and i'm gonna have a a little dog named kerrigan
5: a bitch just like you passes the bechdel test (laughs) and also kathy moriarty says the bitch is back they get to say bitch twice in this movie that's something i miss about children's movies is getting to say bitch two times Mm -hmm. kids love that shit i love it when people say bitch (laughs) it's especially when it's kathy moriarty talking about herself like Mm. that's a very empowering use of the word when for Kathy me.
4: Moriarty calls herself a bitch that passes the Bechtel test
5: that definitely does yeah for sure so yeah I just I think the movie
4: like started to set up some interesting themes and storylines and then they just got forgotten about in the interest of showing this predatory romance um where Casper is a perverted creep
5: I also yeah and it's like and and we've talked about this before there's like not a ton of big movies that are about like single dads i think Mm -hmm. it's like always an interesting opportunity to see single dads uh especially single dads with daughters where it's like I, i get that you know that that's set up in the movie of like there's some dissonance he doesn't he still is like adjusting to the idea of being a single parent right there's plenty of like kids watching that movie i'm sure that are like could connect with that experience Mm -hmm. but then he like is kind of a shitty parent and she just accepts it eventually and so that felt like a missed opportunity as well right but again it's like it's casper um But, Mm -hmm. but every kid on the planet sees a movie like this. And I, and I do agree that it's like, there are certainly things that would stick with you from this movie that you've probably already seen, unfortunately, in other movies. By the time you see Casper, you've probably seen a weird child predatory relationship already. You've already seen bad parenting from fathers excused as kind of funny, um, mom's mommy is angel like these are all the things that come <laughs> up in movies pretty frequently mm-hmm. Um, dead moms in general we love a dead mom in oh, children's gosh. media and 90s movies for oh kids get her out of there but then bring her back <gasps> and have her give a plot yeah disney doesn't do yes. that to the dead moms i will say the funniest part of re-watching this movie was because I, I very clearly remember being touched when when the dad dies and then he comes back to life. I just forgot that that all happened inside of three minutes. <laughs> uh, what? I don't know. Anyways, this movie does technically pass the mental test, which <laughs> is um, we celebrate that. Good for them. Good for them. Let's, let's get into our nipple scale. Yes. Zero to five
4: nipples based on how the movie does when we look at it through an intersectional feminist lens. And I would Mm -hmm. say this movie for me only gets like maybe a nipple and a half Mm -hmm. because as much as I do like Christina Ricci as Kat and I do think she's given a fair amount to do in this story, Mm -hmm. it would have all worked so much better for me if it wasn't all overshadowed by her getting stalked and (laughs) coerced Mm -hmm. by a perverted ghost boy. Sure. So I, I hate that if it had just been a friendship between them that happened more organically. And if there had been kind of more focus on some other either like internal or external struggle she was dealing with Mm -hmm. like her struggle to make friends because her dad moves her around too much and you know she she's dealing with grief from losing her mom and how does that manifest in her choices and behavior and how can that you know affect the story just things like that Mm -hmm. that could have been more meaningful and interesting to watch but instead, it's like, yeah, let's watch like just an, a series of fat jokes because of a character named Fatso. Oh, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. You have to see this little ghost say, can I keep you? Before surprise kissing an unconscious girl, you have to see Bill Pullman... <laughs>
5: Now watch your
4: fucking mouth and fall off a balcony when he's supposed to be looking after his. (laughs) Oh gosh. There's just so many weird choices. The movie makes Uh, one and a half nipples. Uh, I'll give one to Kathy Moriarty's performance as Kerrigan. And I'll give my half nipple to Christina Ricci. And that's all folks
5: i'm gonna give it to i am very i like this movie i totally agree that you're saying building a movie around a predatory relationship between 12 year olds (laughs) is always weird i it's frustrating because it so easily could have and should have just been a friendship and the whole movie would have benefited from it yeah and then it would be a movie i would be much more comfortable showing to kids now like if it had just been a friendship right And I mean, the body shaming jokes, the extreme whiteness of the movie that like everything about it is so entrenched in 90s kids movie tropes. Mm -hmm. And and but I am always going to love this movie. (laughs) I think it's just a high camp. I think it's like pretty hilarious. And uh, I just love when a movie is, um, a live action cartoon. I feel like you don't really get many of those now. They're fun. They're really fun. I I just, yeah, I adore this movie, but it is not a, uh, progressive movie. (laughs) I would say I, I love the cat character. I feel like there's a lot of missed opportunities with her character. Um, I feel like there was a way to include the mom in the story that was less dead woman tropey. Mm-hmm. And then Kerrigan is, I would say, a really underrated movie villain. Oh, Kathy Moriarty really brings the heat. I also read that Carrie Fisher and Kathleen Turner were in the running for that part. Mm. Also would have both been great. There's like, yeah, just absolutely fabulous. I mean, yeah, I, I love this movie so much, but I cannot give it more than two nipples in good faith. So I will give it uh, mm-hmm. two nipples mm-hmm. and I will give one to the wake up machine, which should have been a roller coaster and I now it's never gonna be a roller coaster because kids don't watch this damn movie anymore. It's not even streaming anywhere. And mm. I will give my other nipple to Kathy Moriarty because I'm I'm no fool. Yeah. And you should listen to Ghost Church if you yes. want to hear about an esoteric religion that revolves around the idea that the spirits walk among us still. Um, you can listen to it wherever you get your podcast. We'll link it in the description of this episode. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's our episode about Casper, the friendly ghost. Oh, I love the ending shot of the movie is just Casper eating, uh, eating you. Yeah. He's just barreling
4: toward eats you, up. you and then his, you see his mouth and then he's gobbled you up. Mm.
5: Nom, 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 nom. Love it. No notes. Incredible. Also, this was directed by the director of a series of unfortunate events, which means Whoa. that he loves creepy old manners and he loves weird Cinderella stories with orphans
4: true brad silberling
5: what's going on shout out brad silberling type he's being typecast he's like he's <laughs> like he, i love kids in a mansion mm-hmm. anyways um so yes check out ghost church yes check out
4: us on twitter and instagram at Bechtelcast. check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash where you get Two bonus episodes every month, plus the entire back catalog of over 100 bonuses, such as episodes like I,
5: Frankenstein. Oh, yeah? Uh Uh-huh. And that's it. That's all that's there. No, we recently <laughs> did uh Top Gun and Face Off. We That's where we cover a lot of popular requests in a kind of like loose This is actually kind of we this is a matrix. S episode. Yeah. We've been goofing around on the main feed lately. It's been fun. I feel like we've always been goofing over here. Well, yeah, we I guess famously we've been goofing kind of the whole time. We're sort of like impractical jokers a little bit. <laughs> I will say I think it's so their headboards are so funny and I would love a headboard that just says stinky. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely weird. This this movie is I know I know I know but it's one of my favorite movies uh, ever <laughs> still i realized as i was watching this that's wild well you can get our we got merch as well public.com slash the Bechtel cast uh-huh and uh yeah listen to ghost church listen to the Bechtel cast uh brush your teeth and evade your taxes <laughs> bye 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 hello